Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Respectfully podcast. I'm Lily Cox. And I'm Nikki Pope. And this week we're discussing a big industry question. How do you attract employees and retain them? Yep, that's right. We have a wonderful guest with us this week who is very passionate on this subject and I'm sure will bring a wealth of experience and some advice to the table. So with no further ado, we're delighted to have with us the current BHBA Business Director of the Year, Janet Maitland. She's the proud owner of three salons in Durham and employs 22 members of staff with a staggering staff retention rate of 98%. Welcome, Welcome Janet. Thank you very much for inviting me here today. I'm really looking forward to the talk. Thank you. Well, I think we've got a lot to discuss, so I'm sure we will hopefully um, incite some opinions and some response from the listeners as well. We'll give notes at the end of the podcast on how people can join in. I think it's such a big subject, isn't it, how to attract employees? So I think in my head with talking about people coming into the industry, perhaps 16, 17, 18 years old, but then also how to hold on to your employees, that's always a big concern, especially for small businesses, how you're going to keep your team tight. So let's start with how do we get people into the industry? Because I know you've had many years of building your own business, but also working with training outfits both in the UK and now I know taking your experience in setting up training programs to uh, projects I suppose and initiatives that are happening all over the world. Yes I yes I do I train and recruit all over the world um, but if we come back to the salon how to recruit young people into the salon and how to pick the right people well my advice would be really that it's a bigger approach than what you expect. It's about having a great respect in your local area because it's you're much more likely to hold on to your young people if they live locally and don't have those long journeys to get to work. Um, I believe that your clients are a great way of finding your young people. Right. Because yeah, they're in the salon, they see what's happening, they see the way you treat your young people with mm-hmm. respect and that respect is given back, and they see that nice way of working in the salon, and you can see them thinking, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if so-and-so could get a job here? Um, and so that, to me, that's one of the biggest ways that I recruit. Yeah, um, reputation, reputation in the community. Yes, yeah. yeah. Reputation of community. Another way, really, is that, you know, always celebrate your successes. If you've had a success, whether it's um, an award or whether it's been some kind of fashion show or some charity event that you've done, make sure you've got it in the newspaper, Mm -hmm. local newspaper again, so that people think, wow, what a great place. They have, you know, they have good ethics, they have good standards, they're doing something positive for the community or more globally, um, if it's a charity event. And, uh, and, and yeah, go down that route. Then again, people are thinking it's a go-to salon, not just for hair, but for work. Yeah, because mm. hairdressing as a client, it's such personal service, isn't it? So it stands to reason that for a salon to keep that at the very focus of what they do, not just the actual craft of hairdressing, but how you actually work with your clients. Absolutely. And it's, it is getting those right people into, the, into your salon that's the key to your long-term success. Um, I mean, uh, other ways, another way of uh, attracting the, the right young people into your salon is that your local training provider 
will obviously um, be hearing from young people from the schools before they leave or they'll be in touch with the salons where perhaps a trainee um, is needing to move salons for whatever reason, maybe transport because they're travelling too far or whatever. They will have access to all of the young people in the area that are currently needing or in fact in education for hairdressing at the time. Mm. Now, I think it's absolutely paramount that you keep that relationship well with the training provider. Now, the tra training provider, if you are looking after your young people and again, giving them all of the amount of training time that they need to be the very best they can, the training provider is going to be so delighted with that yeah. that they're going to help you to um, uh, recruit the right person for your salon. And to be honest, that's one of the main ways that I go. And when you, I mean, you've been in the hairdressing industry a long time, do you think that that is a relationship that is often overlooked? I do. I do think that's something that's overlooked. And um, again, the trained provider will know, you know, we're talking about the relationship that you have with your young people. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they will know via the young person whether you're caring for them, looking after them, educating them, giving them icing on the cake, give them something exciting, like mm. a photo shoot. Or, um, recently we were working with Gokwan and our juniors came along and they were just so excited. And that all goes back to the training provider. So therefore they're thinking, when and I'm looking for a, a, a new student for hairdressing, I call them, they know I'm going to do my best for them and that my team train very well, Sandra, who has worked with me since 1979, is an excellent trainer and a beautiful person and she looks after these young people and I think that is really important when you want to um, bring young people into your business. I think your reputation goes before you. Yeah, certainly. So would you um, say that, obviously with the training providers, but then you can, you can attract staff that way and then with the apprentices, how do you find that? Are you... Are you struggling to get apprentices in just generally because I know that that is a bit of an issue. I find it really easy to recruit apprentices but the key is to recruit the right apprentice for your business mm -hmm. because um, you know you need to get people that fit with your culture and ethos um, and I find it very very easy I always have people calling me all of the time so we're, we're really full with apprentices all of the time and I have a waiting list um, wow. yeah. <laughs> so bucking the trend do you do you have a well I'm sure you do have a view on this concern there is in hairdressing about how to get more and better youngsters into the industry although you may not be experiencing it yourself do you think what's your view of what's happening generally in the industry um I think that is happening out there um, but I think maybe we need to do a little bit more to go into schools. I've got one planned for later this year, and that's to go into a school and talk about the value of doing an apprenticeship. And maybe if more employers got involved that way, that that would be really good because, you know, an apprenticeship is an excellent route because so many people that I know have gone to university, come out the other end and can't get a job and didn't actually know what job they wanted to do in the first place. So a, a fast route to having a great career is the apprenticeship and I think it would be great if some employers that were struggling went into the schools to talk to young people about getting paid from day one. 
Absolutely. But I think that's also an interesting point because I know that the 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 rate of pay for apprentices can be quite low when they come in. And do you think that again, not for yourself necessarily, but that is that is a concern for young people coming in, that they're they're on a low wage for potentially a long time. They are on a low wage, but I agree with you. But it is a lot more than it used to be. Right. And um uh, also, it, very quickly when they get to 18, the salary goes up. It's the, the thing for employers is to look out on that note because the wage does jump up quickly. So when you've got an apprentice now, you mm-hmm. do need to put the time into training them because very quickly the salary jumps up quite high and you need to make sure that that's a, that junior has been given the opportunity mm-hmm. to carve a role in the salon so that they contribute and, financially to the salon yeah, so they can actually wins. keep them yeah it's a win-win they're going to contribute to the salon clientele and growing the business base and see a reward in it quite quickly for themselves absolutely yeah. yes absolutely mm-hmm. and if that message is given across um, to young people in the classroom or before they start work I, I think they can see a future and as soon as they they can see that future and visualize it that within a couple of years they're going to be on quite a good wage and um, one thing I would say to everybody is once you're a hairdresser you're always going to have money because you can always make money and once they get that idea you know sold they want yeah. the job yeah. yeah I think that's certainly the case that I know there's a there's a view that a lot of salons in the UK pay national minimum wage and there is some salons that pay national living wage and that's a celebrated thing. Um, but yeah, I was aware that that was potentially a reason why young people may be less inclined to come in. Yeah, I, th- I, I agree with you. I, th- I think that's absolutely right. But I think maybe we could be talking more about what the potential to earn is. You know, yeah. because if they don't do A levels and they don't do university very quickly, you know they've they've uh, short circuited all of that. And you know, after but after four or five years of hairdressing, they can be earning quite a lot of money. Yeah, you know? I think the I think the opportunity to individualise your career in hairdressing is really great. There is no necessarily given path that anyone has to take, and I think that's one of the strengths that you could come in at 16, train, you could very quickly rise to some kind of managerial role, perhaps grow within that salon group or go off and strike out on your own. You can travel, you can become, you know, a session stylist or work in different categories. And I think that's something that we should promote more. Definitely. I agree with you totally, yeah. I think the higher salary that they can earn these days, um, you know, many of my staff... Uh, you know, are on, on a lot of money. And then when they've been with me a long time, they become directors with um, dividends. And, you know, so what point in that way, and all of those wonderful opportunities that you've talked about are really accessible yeah. to, to anybody who's passionate about the industry. They work hard, they can achieve all of those things. Yeah. And I think we need to also look at promoting hairdressing to even younger kids so they grow up through their early teens with this idea of becoming a hairdresser not just to whiz in when they're 15 and a half and 16 and to say hey how about this I think it needs to my kids have grown up watching me in the hairdressing industry and my 13 year old would see it now as an option yes so I think sometimes we're a bit too focused on a certain age group and perhaps we looping back to what you said about growing your visibility and your reputation in the community. Mm. 
you know, the kids that come through at nine and ten could be your apprentices in a few years' time. I certainly think that's true. I know that um, coming into the hairdressing industry when I was 23 on the journalist side, I had no idea of the scope that this career could give you, the travel, the session styling, the salon career, educating, all of that stuff that's available. I, I wasn't aware of it at all. And I think that as an industry, we need to educate the wider public about those opportunities, as Nikki said, before they get to 16 where you want them to come in as an apprentice so that they're aware of the opportunities way, way before that and the local salons can shout about those things. I think you're absolutely right. It'd be great if we could get people to go into schools to share all that information. Um, I know, as I say, I do, and I would like to think that in other regions, if if they're having difficulty bringing young people into hairdressing, that maybe some employers could go and do that. Janet, obviously your staff retention rate, 98%. Very, very impressive. So what's your what's your secret? Um, it starts at the very beginning, which is something we've already talked about. It's about selection and recruitment. Mm-hmm. And I believe that selecting and recruiting the right people is the key. Um, again, getting people that fit with your culture, your ethos. They, anyone who joins me knows that they will always be on a... Um, a continuous professional development program mm-hmm. so they will continually train so if somebody doesn't want to be part of that then they wouldn't be right fit right with my salon sure. however anyone who wants to have that um, CPD wants to join me and that's wonderful for them because they want to continually improve um, I think it's selection and recruitment I think moving on from that it's education it's an appraisal every year an appraisal, a very positive appraisal, which is, you know, just looking at development needs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how they're feeling about the salon, about their training or whatever. Um, making sure that from the appraisal there is a training plan so that the, the um, member of staff can see year on year how they've moved forward and what their needs are, mm-hmm. what their aims are, what their ambitions. Because if I think a successful appraisal that has that, element of saying what would you you know what's your dream what would you really like to do and how can we help you get there yeah but also meet the company's objectives yeah you know is a big thing so you need a structure in place i think you need to be organized i know um often as a small employer that can seem like quite a big task if there's only half a dozen of you in the business and you're growing it's quite overwhelming perhaps to create a structure it's, it's really important to have it there, isn't it? So that you can grow. It is. And also, I think, you know, we, whatever member of staff you have, they're going to want to know what's available for them to, to develop over the next year. And if the salon's so small that there's no dedicated trainer, you can always outsource that, make that possible to give your team extra opportunities. I think if you don't, you're running a very big risk of people not wanting to stay within within the organisation. Uh, hairdressers are very motivated, mm-hmm. I believe. They want more, they want to see more, they want to do more. You know, every person I'm in, someone will say, I want to do this, I want to do this course, I want to learn more about long hair. It could be something that's quite inexpensive. I'm desperate to be able to do wedding hair, which we can do internally. Mm-hmm. It could be another request, somebody, I really want to do London Fashion Week. And the, the range goes is is really 
really wide on what people want. But I think we need to try and help them to achieve whatever they can, whether you're a small business or a big business. I think that's that really is a fundamental. So where have you found the support to put in place your structures? Well, I used to work for City and Guilds in London, and so I learned a lot about this when I worked there. And uh, I was also a training provider, so I learned a lot there. Obviously, manufacturers, um, Schwarzkopf, who I work with, have done huge amounts for me. But these particular structures, um, I, I learned when I was a training provider. Mm. And um, I learned it well, you know, I, I realised when I learned it, I thought, wow, I can see now why that works. I can see now why you would keep your staff if they were continuously moving forward. If you knew what their aims and ambitions were, then why would they move somewhere else Yeah. if you were giving them what they need? Absolutely. And you will know them well. So even if somebody were to need to move or make a change, it's not going to be a surprise because you will have had the conversations and seen seen that happening yes absolutely and another thing i think with uh, retention is you know it people have come to me and said i'm leaving for whatever reason and i think at that time it's time to sit down and mm-hmm. and try and work out a solution because ultimately if you've chosen somebody and you know you've done your selection recruitment right and you really like this person and they've been ultimately happy with your organisation, it's just a logistic thing, then, you know, try and work something out. I've got three salons, so why not go to the one that's closer to you or start a little bit later or, mm-hmm. you know, see what you can do with their salary or commission rate or whatever. But I think the minute somebody hands a notice in, my immediate reaction is, how can I, how can I put this right? Yeah. Because I will have probably helped to mould this person into a wonderful hairdresser with lots of education and so the last thing I want to do is to say goodbye. Of course, it's an investment of your time isn't it? Of course it it is, yes. And I've had some really big successes that way. Also, maybe somebody who I wasn't that successful with that may have come back to me at a later date. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can keep that, you know, that caring aspect all the way through the process then you know maybe they'll come back to you maybe leave and come back or not leave at all it's interesting you take the long-term approach because I think it's a question that uh, Lily and I hear quite often when we're working and chatting with sounds all over the country is this concern that if you invest in somebody how do you know they're not going to leave you I'm always slightly surprised that many hairdressing salons seem to think that's a, a problem specific to hairdressing and I can honestly say it's a problem to everybody, every <laughs> employer in the country in whatever industry uh-huh. is the worry of how to make sure that people will stay and, and you can't make sure, you just have to be a good employer and a good option for them. Absolutely, it has happened to me and it has happened to me that I've lost a few members of staff at the same time and um, you know, but but if you've got a good team around you you very quickly build back up and start recruiting the right people again. And um, was one thing that I, I believe is really important, um, and that is to care for your staff's well-being. And uh, what we found was very useful for that was that we um, pay into an organisation that offer our staff um, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, a counselling service for them and their family. 
So that could be about anything. It could be debt, it could be work-related, could be absolutely anything, emotional, bereavement, whatever. And they have this confidential counselling service. And then if the counsellor and them they decide that they want some sessions, they can have up to six one-to-one sessions um, to, to discuss their problems and see if we can help. Now, Wow, that's amazing. I never mm-hmm. find out if they've accessed it. Right. Or if their family have accessed it. Because I pay this fee. Yeah. And then whether I hear or not, that they, sometimes they come to me and say they've used it. But I don't ask and I don't ever get told by anybody. So I don't know. So interesting. Right. Goodness me. That's amazing. And I think that is another way of proving to your staff that you really care about. Do you see that as a very important part of staff retention is having a sense of empathy, um, treating them as real people and with respect. But your journey over the years, I know, hasn't always been easy. So you've developed an empathy through your own experiences. Yes, I was diagnosed with bipolar about 15 years ago. And um, I understand the importance of caring for your team, um, for their mental well-being. Um, I believe that if you show that care to your team from your own experiences, I know how debilitating it can be. And yet I know the positives of that sensitivity and how that can have a drive. But if you can show that you empathise with your staff and that you care about them, you understand if they're going through whatever. Everyone I know at times has needed a hand to hold. And myself more than most, I think, with this illness. So I totally understand when my staff need are needing support of all sorts. Even if it could be someone who has children and I can see the anxiety on their face maybe at work and I, I'm wondering what it is. Um, maybe say, have you got time for a cup of tea? And then they come to see me and I'll say, what is the problem? I need to change my working hours. They'll say, I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to get away at nine o'clock in the morning or I find it difficult to work for days I only need can I only do three or two now I think for some reason they don't expect you to say of course right so the minute I say of course what what what, what do you need to do what will make you happy and, and then when that happens the loyalty and the kind of love thing that goes on <laughs> where they think yeah. wow I can't believe she just said that, but I really mean it. That is what I do, because if I've got a valued member of staff, the one thing I want is to make them happy. Yeah. Uh, I don't want that that look of stress on their face. And after all, as the head of a salon, you want your team to make the clients feel that way. So they're only going to be able to make the client feel loved and engender loyalty if they feel loved and loyal to you. So... It's, it's a no-brainer. When, when you put it that way, it makes yeah. absolute perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that staff loyalty, I think that, that it has to be both ways. You know, you, you need to give more. And at the end of the day, as a human being, why wouldn't you if you could? You know, why wouldn't you help them? Uh, ultimately, I just want them to stay with me. So whatever it takes, you know, if I, I've got a good member of staff, whatever it takes is what I would do in regard to your staff that you have with you and obviously wanting to make them feel happy and valued and feel as though they're progressing what's your system for promotions you know how do you work how do you organize someone going from say a junior stylist into a senior stylist how how does that go 
obviously I would advertise the job internally um, and put onto the notice how many years experience we needed or any other desirable qualities that I was looking for. So therefore it's a fair way of seeing who's interested in the job to start with. Um, and then we would interview internally. It may mean that um, I may approach someone that I need to move to another salon because of their particular skill set and maybe that the other salon really needs that person and that might give them um, a better opportunity to get that promotion if they've got the right skill set. But again, the important thing really um, for promotion is to make sure that it's fair. Uh, it can be very um, demotivating for people if they feel there's been a favourite that's been plucked out. Yeah. And that can have a very negative effect on the rest of the team. I think that's certainly true. Do you find within your salon that people are, particularly the younger generation, are impatient for promotions? Because we talk about millennials all the time wanting things fast. They want progression now. They don't want to be apprentice for two years they want to go straight in and be able to charge £40 for a service. Is that, how do you I, cope with that? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. And I think maybe that's another thing that I stress at interview. Mm-hmm. Because some of the young people I, I take on are a little stars straight away. You know, they, they've got all the um, attributes that we need. They're fashion conscious. They're excited about music and all the things that go with the industry. But I stress that at the beginning over and over again. You know, it's a process and you have to go through that process and you have to go back over shampoo and six months later, you have to go over and over and over blow wave training. And there isn't a shortcut. If you take a shortcut, it will show up later that there were gaps in your knowledge. So they know they know from the beginning and I do reinforce that often throughout the apprenticeship and for the other stylists really, that um, there, there just isn't a shortcut. And of course, there's only limited opportunities um, for promotion. But there are other things. It's not just promotion, really. It's it's all that other stuff, like the artistic stuff or fashion shows. Or We've got somebody on Yats with Schwarzkopf. We've got somebody doing London Fashion Week. We've got, you know, we've got lots of the Gokwan show. We've mm-hmm. got lots of other things going on. So, you know, it's exciting, really. Oh, the junior photographic shoot with our local training provider and all of that's going on so we have photo shoot for them so it's there's lots of other stuff um that's going on where the, where people feel valued excited and that they're getting something more from the job rather than you know just mm-hmm. the job which let's face it, the jobs are really exciting anyway <laughs> every day but um, they want that little bit more in fact i'm often approached by stylists from other salons that say I'd like to work for you because I see all the stuff that you put on social media, which is all this extra stuff that doesn't happen in my salon. Mm. Our recruitment's quite easy because we've usually got a list of people who want to come and they're not. their main priority is not more money. It's because they want the, the, um, the excitement. Tell us a little bit about the projects that you're working on with Shaping Futures. That's bringing kids or people of any age I don't know is it is it focused on the youngsters into hairdressing as a way of escaping some of the poverty and some of the the difficulties they have faced growing up but I've made an assumption there is it kids or is it it's predominantly yes what what um, we do is I'm with Schwarzkopf um, Shaping Futures and I'm their ambassador 
for the social initiative. What we do is we go into the uh, uh, into other countries and we train some of the most disadvantaged young people in the world. It's going on all over the world all of the time. Um, but for myself, I've worked in India, in Kolkata, Bangalore, Chennai. I've worked in um, Jordan and more recently in the Philippines. The young people are orphaned um, and uh, are approaching 18 where they must leave the SOS Children's Village. Um, so they, we go out and give a six weeks training programme and then find them a job. Um, some of the people in the group will be mothers that have um, a find it very difficult to care for their children due to poverty. Um, what we do is we, we teach them basic hairdressing, shampoo and blow drying, cutting, one length, forward graduation, basic cuts, bob. Uh, we talk, talk about colour application and uh, perming and straightening. And then we uh, line them up with an employer so that we've changed their lives from completely from having looking ahead and wondering what their future holds to suddenly find themselves in a fab salon with great music, fantastic products and a whole future ahead of them. So uh, it's a, it, it is a remarkable social initi initiative that's going on around the world and I'm very, very proud of the work that Schwarzkopf are doing with that. Yeah, yeah. it must be quite an odd uh, juxtaposition to s be sitting in the UK talking about the difficulty of getting people into hairdressing <laughs> and then to experience just how powerful and joyful and life-changing it can be somewhere else. You must want to come and bang the table and say to people in the UK, wake up. Yeah. Uh, yes, it, it is different. I, th I think the, because these young people see that as their way forward, their future out of poverty and their way of supporting their own families and that they are so dedicated, so focused. Um, so yes, it is different, but I suppose it's a different culture, you know, in this country. We have so many opportunities open to our young people, college, university, as well as apprenticeships. So yeah, it, it is a different feeling, I must say. Um, but, you know, being, being out there with these young people, we get as much from the experience as they do. It completely changes the way you think about life, about possessions and about your own future and what really matters. Thank you, Janet. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. And thank you to Nikki. Thank you. Attracting employees into our industry is a massive subject and one that we will no doubt revisit in the future. Thank you to everyone who listened to our Respectfully podcast on attracting employees this week. And thank you to our eminent guest, Janet Maitland. I'm Lily Cox and my partner is Nikki Pope. And we have prepared some interesting show notes for you on this week's topic. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, you can email us at info at We'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>